Today's scripture is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Glad you're here. I have... uh... Had, my house has been empty this weekend. My wife and children are gone to uh, Gulf Shores. Her brother lives down there. And um, so it was kind of quiet around the house except for the dogs and I. So it was not, it's nice to be with you this morning in the company of the saints. This is the last day to wear seersucker. I don't see a whole lot out here, but I just want you to know uh, this is the last, last, last day I can wear it. Fred's got on what Fred usually wears. Lots of color. I like a whole lot. Um. I'm going to share with you about one of the most important things in my life today. Um, It really is important to me, and it it comes out of my childhood learning from my grandmothers. And uh, I'm not going to talk about them specifically in the sermon, but they taught my mom and dad about this. And in turn, I got to experience it and try to teach my children the same way. According to Jay Link, who was a president of Stewardship Ministries, there is not any evidence of tithing in the New Testament. Now, some of y'all are going, right! <laughs> not so fast. I want to teach you just a few moments from the Old Testament about the tithe, because I think it's important for us to understand. Some of you may not know what that word even means, and So I want you to know where it comes from. In the Old Testament, the tithe was a tax. It was the temple tax. It pointed to the seat of government, which in their day, there was a, uh, the government and the Old Testament law were the same. And so 10% of all their livestock and crops went to support the Levites, who were the priests, if you read about them over in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus. And not only were the priests, but the priests had staff, just like we have here in our church. And so part of your contribution to the ministry here goes to support the professionals, clergy, and the staff. There was a second tax. It was a collected tax to underwrite all the festivals during the the year that the Jews celebrated. Some of you may have Jewish friends who celebrate Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah 
Um, these tax went to pay for all the festivities that went into celebrating and helping the Jews tell their story of faith with God. And then there was a third tax collected every three years to provide a safety net for the poor. This comes out of the book of Deuteronomy. And there was a temple tax also when people arrived from outside the city to come into the city. You may recall that story of Jesus when he was, his family went to the temple and the whole community went there and they were there in the temple and they were getting ready to leave that day and Mary thought he was with Joseph and Joseph thought he was Mary and when they got on their way and they had to pay a tax to get out of the city, they turned around and came back in and they had to pay a tax to go find their son. So, lots of taxing in Jewish religion. In fact, up to 25% of their livelihood was a tax to support the national budget, which supported the temple. That's a lot of taxation, isn't it? It's not a happy word in our culture today, is it? It's not popular for folks to talk about it. So what does Jesus say about the tithe? Is there anything he talks about in the New Testament? Well, in fact, he does. Two different references, and there are more. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because they're bragging about their generosity of mint and dill. Boy, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Mint and dill, which weren't a part of the, the temple ministry. And they were boasting about that. But Jesus rebukes them because he says, you have no concern for the poor. You have no justice and mercy about you. You don't even see the poor. And then in another story we find in Luke's gospel where there's that parable Jesus tells about the Pharisee who goes into the temple and with him is a sinner. And this the Pharisee boasts all the things that he does and he mentions that he tithes before God. And the sinners on the ground won't even lift up his head to God and just says, have mercy on me. And at the end of that story, the end of that parable, Jesus rebukes the Pharisee and says, anyone who exalts himself before God will be humbled. But those of us who humble ourselves before God will be exalted by God. So, in this experience of looking at Old and New Testaments, what does it mean for you and I? How are we generous? How can we live and be generous towards God? Well, I'll tell you this. In my experience, I learned as a child, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Generosity begins with gratitude. It begins with gratitude. And thanksgiving. And that's not a holiday in November that we celebrate. I'm talking about being thankful. You may not have a whole lot of worldly possessions, but you are grateful. And you take care of them. And you share what you have with other people because you're generous. Anybody in this room who's ever been out of the country to a third world country and has been on a mission trip to go down and serve, which is very important, you find out just how grateful people are when you see such meager worldly possessions. I'll never forget 
on a trip to Mexico several years ago. The ladies in the village saved money to buy us soft drinks. They didn't drink soft drinks, but they knew Americans liked soft drinks. I have no idea what a liter of soft drink cost in Mexico, but I bet it was more than we pay for a good meal at a fast food place. Generosity begins with gratitude and thankfulness. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him. That's an important place to begin. You see, in the text, it talked about being a cheerful giver. It didn't set an amount in the New Testament, but it talked about being generous, being free. Because when you do that, not only do you bless others, but you, you get blessed too. You see, we know about compulsory giving. He says, don't be, compul- don't be influenced by compulsory giving. You know, you know what that is? That's paying dues. You pay dues to your social organizations or your fraternal organizations or to the country club or to the hunting camp or to the fishing camp. We pay dues, and somebody's checking on how much you pay. And if you're in the rears, they send you notices about that because if you want to be in the club, you got to pay the dues. Paul talked about generosity. You see, when, when there's compulsory giving... There's no grace. There's no grace. There's no grace. Oh, I got it. Did that bill come in? I got it. Paul's not talking about that. And he's talking to people of little means. Because many, many, many of the first century Christians were slaves and they were poor people. And yet it was out of their poverty that they gave to support the ministry of the apostles. William Barclay suggests that when one becomes aware of generosity of God, it is not in wealth, but it is the spirit of the heart. Mark Batterson is a writer about generosity. He says this, you become free to give out of love for God in his abundance. When you choose to live a life of generosity, you start to change, and so does the world around you. You move from awareness to action. The staff and I came across this website. Some of you may know about it. I found it very interesting, and I want to lead you to it this morning. And as you leave today, go check it out. These are real people that sit in chairs like you do and people who live out in the culture. It's called ilikegiving.com. Here's a clip.
stop being me and think about others. It's real simple. Look around you. This room didn't get here when somebody said poof. No genie nodded her head and it appeared. None of this did. It was because people gave. They gave financially and they gave of their time. They gave, you did. And that's what the world needs is people who give, who give from their hearts, who give their ideas. You heard the video. It's important and it makes us reflect on how much has been given to us. It shows the power of God, generosity does, to work in our lives for his glory. And our faith really grows when we surrender our will to God. We give because our lives are driven not by accumulation or coveting what others have. Did y'all hear that? Our lives are driven not by accumulation or coveting what other people have. Are y'all there yet? I still got some work to do. I have the same kind of wants, maybe more wants than some of you do. I grew up in a family where saving was important. And we had a lot of wants. You should have seen some of the cars my daddy drove. I'll never forget one he had in Picayune. It was a 1962 Rambler. When they lived in Picayune, when we lived in Picayune, I was in college most of the time. It was 1978. You do the math. <laughs> and my sister Amy, bless her heart, there was this big boulevard in Picayune and the high school was on the boulevard. He would make her stop. He, she would make him stop like two blocks from the school so that she wouldn't have to be seen driving up in that 62 Rambler. I took it to college, drove up north of Shreveport to pick up one of our college gymnasts that... I had a date with, and I rolled up in it, and 18 little heads came to the window to see it. And they were pointing at the car. And, yeah. My dad was notorious for getting good deals on cars, cheap ones. But we had money to do other things that was important. Are you there yet? Do you know the difference between want and need? Or do your children? Can we say, God, what I really want, if it's possible, is to take care of my family, if that's possible. And then give something to someone else. Because that's what it means to be a person of faith. It's the work of faith that leads us to celebrate the life of generosity. And there's no substitution for it. It comes from the same word as genuine does. And another translation for the word genuine is real, authentic. How real are you with God? How real are you when it comes to sharing what your resources with other people? Now, tithing is only one measure. It is not a demand of Jesus, but giving is. Jesus talked as much about giving in the New Testament as he did about the kingdom of God. Giving sacrificially is biblical, and it's in the New Testament. Setting aside an amount of money that reflects your ability, dedicating it to God, and giving from that 
consistently is a sign of a person growing in their faith. Not just something up here, but something in here. To set that aside and to honor that consistently and to expand it when it's possible. Giving out of gratitude is the way we show God how much we love God. John Wesley said two things that are important. I want you to think about them. Earn all you can. I like that. Remember that, Staff Parish, when it comes around to that conversation. Save all you can. And give all you can. And you know there's a word in all three of those statements? It's the same word in all three statements. All. That's what John Wesley said a long time ago about being a Christian. And then he said this. It's not how much of my money I'm going to give to God, but how much of God's money am I going to keep for myself? Think about that one. How generous are you? How generous are you with your heart, your hands, and your head? The name Oswald Dolter won't mean anything to you, perhaps. He was a missionary. He was a missionary during the, war, the outbreak of World War II and beyond. And he was sent to Portugal to minister. He had heard, as he was in the station where his ship was to, he was to board ship and come back to America. He was taking his money there. He had a... a Something had been sent to him by his mission organization, and he was, he was there to buy his tickets. He heard someone speaking about these Jewish immigrants who had snuck in to the country, and they were hiding outside the city, and they were afraid. And there were people talking about going to find them. There was great fear. And Golter heard that as he was standing in line. And so when he got to the line to pay for his ticket, instead of paying for the ticket, he cashed it. It was the day before Christmas. And he went out and found out where this place was and very quietly walked into the barn. Still quiet. Nobody was in there. He said, Merry Christmas. Not a word. Merry Christmas. Still no word. That's okay. And then finally, Merry Christmas. And back came this response. We're Jews. He said, I know. What do you want for Christmas? We're Jews. What do you want? I know, but it's Christmas. And somebody said, pastries. And so Oswald Golter goes back into town, and he finds a bakery, and he buys two or three huge baskets full of homemade pastries, and he takes the pastries up into the barn, and they sit there, and they share 
Christmas. And while he finds out what's going on with them, he finds a way to help them find more security because their lives are being threatened in Germany. Now, Dr. Galter came back to the United States. And again, he spoke to a group of students who were studying to be ministers, Christian ministers. And after he finished telling and speaking and told that story, one of the students stood up and he said, well, Dr. Golter, why did you do that? They weren't even Christian. He said, I know, but I am. I am. When we are generous, love always flows. It flows from our hearts. It flows from our pocketbooks, our checkbooks, our, our cards. I'm glad to be part of a church that's generous, that reaches out in ways and touches people's lives and makes a difference. I hope you're glad. And I hope you're part of, of a family and a community that gives and gives freely and gives joyfully. It's one of the things that sets us apart from anybody else because we can and we do. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh God, you have given us and all you've asked for us to do is to love you back, to love you with our hearts and our minds, to love you with our talents and our ability to touch people's lives with our knowledge, with our concern and skills, and with our money and our resources. Thank you that we can talk about that in this church in a way that we can show action. And out of our action, miracles can happen. And people's lives are changed. So even now, as we participate in giving in this act of worship, may we do so with a grateful heart. And may we grow and expand and, and increase our ways of giving because we can because you give us opportunities to do so. So we pray for this today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As our um, offering is being shared this morning, I bring your attention to a young lady who gave vision and took action. Her name is Kate Dearman. And this, uh, this today we're going to celebrate and she's going to share with you about our backpack ministry. Would you come now? <laughs> 